say when tell me when you're ready. I am ready. And welcome to From the Bunker. I am Bob Marshall, joined by my friend, colleague, and what's your title again there at Curlin? Associate Pro? Uh, not quite. You kind of mix both of those, but uh, I am an, an associate PGA member, but I'm an assistant pro at Kirtland Country Club. In Willoughby, Ohio. Uh, yep. Tomorrow is your first day at work there, right? Yeah, it's actually warm. <laughs> Tomorrow being April 9th, uh, we're doing this. We're recording this today on April 8th. First episode we've had since uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Andy has been uh, moving around the state of Ohio, and I have uh, been traveling. Went to South Carolina, went to Texas, and then went up to Washington. So now back, back in the beautiful state of Utah for a little while. So uh, because we missed out on some things, uh, we're not going to hash – uh, go over two months worth of uh, who won what tournaments. Uh, because, We're just going to skip it. Yeah, because there is a <laughs> uh, certain time of year in a tournament that starts Thursday, uh, kind of sort of starts Wednesday there with the par three um, competition they have. But nope, it starts today. Masters week. <laughs> Masters week starts today. Masters week. So the tournament doesn't start till Thursday, but Masters week starts today, Monday, 8 April. And so it takes us into uh, the green jacket and all the other different traditions because it does start today. Um, we're going to talk about what our favorite Masters tradition is. I found something on sportscasting.com. It is the top 10 traditions of the Masters. It was published on 12 April 2017. I'm going to run down some of them, Andy. And you, uh, you tell me what you think on some of these. Okay. We have the Champions Dinner on number rank number one, which personally is my favorite solely based off the fact that the year's previous uh, champion gets to pick the menu, and sometimes they're a lot of fun. Uh, so that is not my favorite uh, thing about Masters Week, but I do love it because it is so secretive and you have no clue what goes on, but they still talk about it. <laughs> the only thing they ever talk about is the menu. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can – could only imagine what they talk about in there. Uh, it's probably terrible things. <laughs> well, up, no, Sam, Sam Sneed's out there anymore, so it won't be terrible. Things. Well, up until 2012, women were allowed, so probably had a lot of things to do with uh, with that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, number two on the list is the Par 3 tournament. Par 3 tournament is obviously Par 3. It's nine holes. Uh, the, last, the last hole, the ninth, Traditionally, the child or the caddy, whoever might be going with the player. A lot of times it's kids or uh, nephews, fathers sometimes. Uh, they'll putt the last hole, and it usually makes for a good time. Or they hole it out, and uh, their caddy doesn't get to uh, doesn't get the putt, which you do see from time to time. So the par three is by far my favorite thing about the Masters Week. I love the par three tournament. 
I love it. Uh, I love it because it's not yeah. like any other. It's not like any other tournament, and if it, it, it's a tradition unlike any other. God. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Jim Nance. <laughs> but real quick about Jim Nance, he is the voice of our sports generation. Yeah, he yeah, he he that. might be one of the greatest of all time. Not anymore, though. Tony Romo's taking him over for now. But uh, yeah, but back to the part three. Uh, so you do you you are aware of the. Of the curse of the par three, correct? No one who's or the lore of the par three. No one's ever wore the who's ever won it has won the tournament that year. Yes, correct. correct yeah. So, do you believe that? I don't believe in curses because I'm not an idiot. But <laughs> are you sure? You want to take that uh, saying back? Uh, we've known each other too long for you to know <laughs> that's true or not. But I don't. I don't like the idea of curses. Um, one thing. Is so last year was, but you do you do like the idea of cursing though? Right? I love cursing. I try to keep it down for the <laughs> sake of the of the show. But um, so my thing is like last year Tony Finau, I think it was one of the holes, dislocates his ankle on the par three, um, yep. and still goes out and played a hell of, hell of uh, four days out on the um, Augusta National. Uh, Utah's finest. He's actually from over here. Uh, but mm-hmm. no, it's um, it's one of those things. It's cool. I like it. Um, I don't care about curses. I don't believe in the curse of the Bambino. I didn't believe in the Billy Goat curse and whatever they want to call it, Cleveland sports curse before 2016. The Chief Wahoo curse because they're winning the they're, the Indians are winning the World Series this year. Win the whole damn thing. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, but uh, oh, you bet your bottom that I would be going out there and trying to win that part three contest. Oh, because how one, many? That many people well, want one, it. You, you, Exactly. Well, one, you get a you, need, you get crystal for it, so that's uh, that's cool. That's Hold on to that note. Yeah, crystal's on the I list. The... Oh, all right, all right. I'll I'll ignore that. Uh, and then the other is that uh, you get to come back for the rest of your life if you win the uh, par three to play the par three. So you bet I'd be that eighty-nine-year-old dude out there just topping the ball around there and playing and waving my hat around. Which those guys <laughs> are out there still to stay doing it. I.e. Jack Nicholas. Correct. All right, number three. Tom Watson won it last year. He did. Number mm-hmm. number three, skipping balls on the 16th hole. Didn't know this was a tradition. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's actually a pretty cool tradition. Uh, I remember a few years ago. Uh, hold on a second. What do you want, Mom? What? Okay. Ma, the meatloaf. I think you need to. That wasn't my mother. I know. It was, was it Jess? <laughs> yeah. You need to leave that in there, but we need to cut some time out, but you definitely need to keep that yeah. in there for sure. Yep. Yep, I will. All right. So, uh, skipping balls across the uh, 16th hole. There's a little paragraph here. It says, tradition ties into the par 3 tournament and occurs on the par 3 16th hole. Where the large pond rests between the green and the tee box, players will go to the bank of the pond after hitting their tee shot and skip a Golf balls across the pond by hitting them on, onto the golf club. Hitting with the golf club, the crowd will erupt, and the player will successfully skip the ball across the pond. In the couple of occasions this has happened, it's cool. I don't necessarily consider it a, a like a big tradition or anything. I I, th- I think it is. Uh, over the last few years, it has become bigger. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things they always show highlights of during the week. Another thing that I'm kind of. Uh, this might, I might sound like the biggest curmudgeon grumpy old piece of crap after this. 
but uh, because you are, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the ceremonial opening tee shot, uh, 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 I'm not crazy about it. I don't, I don't get it. I have mixed emotions on it because one, I think it's cool that they do it, but uh, two, at the same time, it's just like, hey, why don't we mix some other people in here? Exactly. You know? It's Jack. It was Arnold. Uh, it's Gary Player. Yeah. It's the same people yep. every year, and uh, no, it's cool. Like whatever these guys get together, they hit a ball once a year. But um, it's yeah, exactly. It's the same people every year. So when does it stop being cool? Uh, well, they've been doing it for a long, long time. Like I remember, uh, uh, Byron Nelson used to do it. Um, man, I thought I was old until I tried to remember all these other things. But right, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anyone else doing it now. <laughs> Number five on the list. Uh, Sam Snead did it for a while, yeah. Number five, the champion's locker room. And adding to yeah, the system. Yeah, less about that. Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you get it, your own personal yeah, space running. Woohoo, big deal. Uh, number, yeah, exactly. Number six, the crystal. Certain, yeah, there you go. Certain accomplishment award players with pieces of crystal throughout Masters Week. Players will receive a crystal bowl for a hole-in-one, double eagle, or par three championship. For the lower round of the for the low round of the day, players will receive a crystal vase or vase if you're a douchebag. Uh, <laughs> for an eagle, players get crystal goblets. I like this. Yeah, like I, I I think it's cool, but again, as a patron, as they like to call them, uh, I really could give a crap. No, but it's neat. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number seven on this list and highly highly underrated on this list, uh, the green jacket. Masters champion receives a green jacket, are arguably the most legendary prize awarded to all a winner in all sports. I don't agree with that statement, but it's the uh, you get it for winning, and yeah, it's awesome. And before the tournament, if you qualify for the tournament, you get fitted for a green jacket, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. It yep. itself uh, is awesome, or you can, or you can just go to Dillard's and buy one yourself. But it doesn't have the patch and the gold buttons and the uh, yeah. But you can still wear it around and be like, hey, I got wearing a green jacket. And the grumpy old uh, racist southerner guys standing next to you while you're wearing it too, wearing the same kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's a like I, so you get one for winning the Masters, but you also get one for being a member at Augusta, which is I don't know. To me, it's. Uh, uh, you know, it loses its kind of elitist. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. But like I said, it's it's old, grumpy, racist, uh, white men. So, yeah, that's true. It's what it is. Uh, number eight, yep. same time, same place every year. It is played the same time every year. The Masters always takes place on the same time every year. First full week, the first full weekend in April, always has been, and foreseeable future always will be reserved for the Masters. On top of that, the Masters is the only major tournament in the PGA season that's played on the same course year after year. That's Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, that one just kind of sounds like they're trying to fill some uh, some re- writing requirement for their article. But, but, okay, go ahead. But they put, they put <laughs> it over number nine. All caddies required to wear white jumpsuits. They're basically white coveralls. Yeah, uh, I think that's cool. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it is kind of douchey at the same time too so uh note of the day i guess fact of the day for several years players in the masters were not allowed to use their own caddies i didn't know that yeah yep that was uh that was way back in the day 1983 the club lifted the rule 
Yep. Number 10. Which I think 83 was... Uh, I'm going to get it wrong probably, but I think it's... Uh, I don't know. Go, go ahead. I can't. <laughs> Are you about to say something that might be right? I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, who the winner was in uh, 83, but I'm starting to have doubts about myself. I have no idea. I'm just the host of the show. <laughs> it was, oh, Sevy. I was wrong. Sevy Ballesteros. Yep. One of the best names in sports history. Yeah. Maybe. Number 10, no electronic devices allowed. This is obviously a new rule somewhat. Uh, uh, cell phones. Yeah, I hate that rule. So come on, man. Get with the times, Jethro. Uh, exactly. But I also <laughs> I don't mind it for one tournament a year. Just like uh, one of our previous episodes, we talked about how we don't mind the stadium hole for one, for one, game, uh, one tournament a year. Actually, the cell phone rule is actually a, a pretty new rule because up until about you know, three or four years ago, you weren't allowed to bring them in, period, to any. Really? Yeah. Huh. And then they, all of a sudden, they got the uh, phone Gestapo out there yelling at you every single time you had a phone out. So you went with, you said your favorite was the um, the, part the part three. three. Yep. I'm a 1A, 1B guy. Uh, put them where you want. But I like, I like the idea of the dinner solely based on the fact that uh, the winner picks the menu. And I look forward to sometime this week on ESPN when they're giving out the, uh, the master's coverage, they talk about what they, what they put on there. I'll see it on Facebook or something. And it'll be last year's winner was, why don't I remember this? It was Patrick Reed. I'm sure he'll have something Southern and probably bitter because how he is towards his friend's family. <laughs> He'll he'll have Ma. You didn't make mashed potatoes <laughs> because I don't like you. That whole thing's weird. Uh, uh, if you don't under, if, if you don't know what we're talking Google about, it, there's uh, not enough time to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Basically, mm-hmm. hates his family. It kind of deserves it. Uh yeah. Well, it's more like his wife hates his family, but whatever. Not my problem. Right. So um, I've been been going through a lot of white guilt uh this this first segment talking about the angry white men who rule augusta country club there and augusta augusta national country club in uh augusta georgia uh history was made this week it was the first women's tournament ever played at augusta nationals and it was called the augusta national women's amateur and it was a lot of college uh, students came out and played and the this is a big deal because women weren't allowed to become members of the club until 2012. Uh, which Thank you, is, Martha Burke. So, and I, isn't Condi a member there? Yeah, Condoleezza Rice. Yep, and then uh, some. There, the other, the other lady that came in with her was a CEO, a prominent CEO of a company. I forget what her name is, though. And uh, so Augusta National, being the Deep South, uh, being what it is didn't allow African-Americans or basically people of color uh, to be members until 1990. And it's just, it's, it's an old antiquated thing. And and when you think about it from our, our point of views in modern society, it's, it's mind numbing that this is now just becoming a thing, but uh, we've made it this far and every step matters. Um, I'm not what you would consider a person who's, who's big into these movements, 
but I am a, a big fan of what's happening here. Uh, Jennifer Cupcho. Can I, uh, can I put, first say that I, I greatly enjoy your segue into this because I had no clue where you were going with that. You see how I did that? Uh-huh. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and then you go into that. I was like, yeah, okay. It's almost like I know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. But Jennifer Cupcho, uh, she plays for the golf team, and I saw, if I'm not mistaken. Where was it? What was that? I believe Jennifer Cupcho Cup plays for Arkansas. Uh, I think somewhere around there. I'd have to do yes. research, but that requires work. Right. Her <laughs> and, uh, and Maria Fossey, yes. or Fassey, uh played down to the wire. Uh, Cupcho played with a migraine headache. And as someone who suffers from those myself, I know exactly how that feels. Never played a round of golf with one because I don't have a death wish, but it ended up working out. So, Andy, what do you think this is something that is it a big deal in the in the, the realm of society or is it just a big deal in the realm of golf? I think it's both uh, in the realm of society because, uh, you know, we are getting away from the, you know, now I don't want to say segregated because, you know, we aren't keeping people away or whatnot, but uh, it's, it's a more uh, accepting society nowadays which uh, is cool, uh, but uh, also in the golf world because uh, I think this will go a long, long way into growing the game for women uh, because recently uh, Augusta National has been behind uh, other tournaments such as the uh, Latin American Amateur, and that is, has seemed to have a huge step in growing the game in Latin America. Uh, and uh, really, I'm I'm all I'm all I'm all about anything that will grow the game. Quick correction: uh, Jennifer Cupcho Cupco plays or Cho, whatever we're calling her, uh, plays golf at Wake Forest. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! I knew that. Now that you say I think that. the other girls at Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, and I agree 100. percent And it, it, it's one of those it's one of those things. You and I were 30 years old. Um, we have seen we've seen lots of progress in our 30 years, uh, but we don't, one, we grew up in Northeast Ohio, so we don't, we didn't see a lot of the same stuff that you might see in the deep South, uh, even during our lifetime. But it's um, for, uh, this isn't necessarily a race thing. This is more of a gender thing, but with gender and race, they're, they're kind of tied together, especially in today's society. Uh, they're tied together with uh, hand in hand. And it, 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 it's really cool to see this. I would like to see more stuff like this. And like you said, the L- LPGA Tour has been around, I believe, since the 90s. And um, it doesn't quite get the coverage, but it is getting more. Uh, there's the uh, the uh, the Michelle Wees of the world, uh, Annika Sorenstam, uh, previously in the uh, in the 2000s. These players are coming up. I think Paula Creamer still might be relevant. Um, <laughs> Not quite, but whatever. <laughs> But but you you see these people uh, these, these women coming up and they're playing great golf. It's fun golf to watch, just as much as watching uh, a men's PGA Tour, especially on a weekend where it's not a big tournament. Yeah, where it's I, the, I, uh, the... I watched the uh, ANA Inspiration like, this weekend over over the PGA over the Texas Valero yeah. Shell Open. I yeah, think, whatever, it was. Uh, whatever. But uh, no, it's it's great to see. I'm all for it. Love it. I'm all for equality. Let people let people be judged by who they are and what they do, not what they look like. Wait, let me rephrase this. Yeah. Let people be judged by what they do and how they act, not by who they are. I'm all for it. What? Um, what? 
Did I miss that again? Yeah, well, you can probably take that a few different ways the way you said that. Judge people by what they do. Yeah, so you're saying that, oh, you know, he he lives a uh, different kind of lifestyle than me. I'm judging him. No, 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 no. I no. know, I know what you're no. saying, but it sounds it, it sounded awful. Real quick, <laughs> is there ever a chance that women and men will play on the same tour? No. Just due to the fact that men hit the ball so much damn hard. Yeah, it's it's completely unfair. Okay. Yep. No, I agree, but uh, we're not going to spend all day on that. Takes us to another part of, of Masters Week. Started out, I believe it was Sunday, um, and it was national qualifying uh, over the last year. Got kids, two children, kids, to Augusta National for the drive, chip, and putt competition. Uh, much reminiscent to what the NFL has done for years, the punt, pass, and kick uh, competition. Um, Andy, you and I try, talked. Try saying that five times fast. See how much trouble you're getting in saying that. Pump out the kick. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to find out. <laughs> so you and I talked pre-show about the drive, chip, and putt um, a little bit, and uh, I have my opinions. You don't seem to like it, and I need to know. I need you to tell me why. Uh, all right. So here's my soapbox. I am all for anything that grows the game, like I previously said. And I think given the nature of what the, uh, uh, I want to say punt, pass, and kick now, <laughs> what, the, uh, what the drive, chip, and putt uh, is, would be, is would, it would be great for the game. And I think the, the earlier rendition of it that Golf Channel did uh, back in the, uh, around the turn of the decade, uh, and uh, up until about like 2008 or so, because uh, I, I I actually got to work one of the qualifiers for the Golf Channel's rendition, and it was great um, because there was a bunch of different kids there, uh, you know, a bunch of different uh, uh, societal uh, levels there, uh, and I thought it was great. When I turn on the TV to watch the Masters rendition of the uh, – the pump passing kick, the uh, drive, chip, and putt. Uh, all I see are mainly rich kids, and 100%. I don't think that's good for golf. Like, I don't want to nope. see a kid sitting there with a freaking four hundred dollars Scotty Cameron, and he's seven years old. Like, dude, go out and play a chopped off Rawlings putter. I want to see those kids. I had, I've had experiences where. I've been able to work with uh, like the first tee of Cleveland, the first tee of Columbus. And also I've had opportunities where I've been uh, doing uh, uh, or putting on kids clinics for various different uh, country clubs and private clubs. And by far, I feel the most satisfied after uh, putting on a uh, clinic or whatnot for the inner city kids. I feel like one, they want to, they want to be there. You know, they appreciate it because they are, they don't always get opportunities like that. And then whenever I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, every kid is like this, but whenever I'm, you know, in the private world where, you know, their families are coming from affluent backgrounds, it's mainly just a babysitting session, really a glorified babysitting session. And I don't know. I just feel like if we're going to grow the game, we need to grow the game in areas where they are not going to be, 
given the opportunity to experience the game as often. So when you text me and told me you didn't like it, I told you to hold off on that for the sake of the show. Um, you and I have been friends for a long time, somewhere around 20-some-odd years, and I thought you were just going to be an asshole about this, but I've never agreed with something more. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? I don't know, but I was expecting <laughs> just some just really asshole way of you going about it. <laughs> um, but, no, I agree 100% because you watch it. And I didn't watch this year. I, I watched either. last year. Yeah, I, it was it was nice out this weekend, so I went and played myself, so. I watched uh, last year, and it was, and it was like Billy Stevens from this country club, and I'm like, whoa, 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 country yeah. club. Why is this kid playing in Northwood yeah. or Cranberry yep. or Bristolwood or on the other courses there in Trumbull County that we grew up playing? And I'm like, th- th- exactly. You're not growing the game, and this. I'm going to kind of segue this into something I'm a little more familiar with, and it's the sport of NASCAR. Um. They've been trying to grow the sport of NASCAR for the last 20 years. They had their boom in the early 2000s, and, it, and you watched the Bristol race yesterday, which used to be sold out, and someone had to die before we could get tickets. Uh, the place was only maybe a quarter full. And um, it's because they're going after the wrong people in their sport, and golf needs to quit doing that. Golf needs to go after the, the yous and the me's. The me, not necessarily you, but the me's. Um, <laughs> Are you admitting I'm better than you? Hundred <laughs> um, percent, but they need to go after the me's of the world—the guy who likes to go out and hit the golf ball, come home and maybe sit down, or after my round up at the up at the clubhouse, sit down and have a beer, watch the rest of the round, and then that gets you involved in the game and yeah. you enjoy the game more. Yeah, we need we, um, we need more we we need more pipe fitters in the game than we do yes uh, hedge fund guys. There's something you told me years ago. And I'll spin this to make you sound good. <laughs> okay. We need more people who wear Nike hats to be involved in the game than we do who wear Titleist and Callaway hats. I don't remember saying that at all. I, don't, I hope you're making this up. <laughs> and we'll, we'll cover that offline. Okay. But, pe- but people, who, people who wear Nike hats tend to be your, your you know, your duffer, the guy who goes out there and just knocks the ball around, bought Nike because he's familiar with it, likes it, wears the hat, wears the gear, because you know that's the same thing he wore when he played basketball or when he played baseball or whatever it might be. Yep. yep. So that's and that's the biggest thing is uh, so the punt, putt. Sorry, let me <laughs> the, the dry trip and putt competition um, has excluded people, and uh, that's exactly what golf's trying not to do because it's excluded people from its existence. I don't know how true this is, but the old adage is that golf is an acronym. For gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. I don't think that's true. But still, golf at one point in time was a very exclusive game. Bring people in. There's courses everywhere. It's cheaper to play golf now than I think it's ever been. Maybe certain courses. So we didn't. I don't like it. We need more T-shirts and gym shorts out on the golf course than we do uh, Bermuda shorts and polos. What are your feelings on people playing in jeans? Uh, I, I, I am highly against people playing in jeans. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather them yeah. be wearing gym shorts. But, but I think it I, also needs to be depends on where you're playing. Yeah. If you're playing at if you're playing at, at at rec league at like some little place where you paid for nine holes for fifteen bucks on a Sunday afternoon, 
go out there in whatever you want to wear. But yeah, if you're playing someplace nice, you should dress the part. Yeah, but I would, I'd still sit there and be like, jeans, dude. It's like 80 degrees out. Okay. <laughs> so as a a golf pro or whatever your status is, I don't know. It's all really confusing to me. Um, you give lessons. Correct. That's your job. Yes. It is. It is April eighth. It's getting really nice out. It's currently <laughs> 72 degrees here in beautiful Utah. Uh, Saturday, when I was going to go golf, or no, Friday, when I was going to go golf, it's going to be 48 and rainy, possibly snowing. Mm-hmm. So uh, not golfing Friday. But there are people who are going to listen to this who might be able to golf. So with the weather, the weather being like it is, uh, it's still kind of soupy out. There's going to be some mud. What are some tips you have for the, the golfers yeah, out there? So uh, like you said, uh, the spring has been bad for the vast majority of the country as far as weather goes. So uh, either you're not getting your golf in or you are getting your golf in and you're just slopping it around for the most part. So uh, a few tips that I have for conditions like that. Uh, first, choke up about a quarter of an inch. Because how many times are you going to hit a ball and then just splatter all over yourself and the ball goes nowhere? Uh, if you choke up just a, about a quarter of an inch, yeah, you might hit a ball groove low, but you're still going to get clean contact. Uh, so you're going to be a lot more better. Uh, you're going to be a lot better off by getting that cleaner contact. Uh, the second thing is that when you're chipping uh, around the greens, a lot of the time is going to be mucky, uh, especially you know up here in uh, Northeast Ohio. A lot of our ground is uh, clay, and we all know that when clay gets wet it gets all mucky and and nasty so uh what do you do when you chip what do you think you do bob what do you chip yeah. and muck um uh, choke up a quarter of an well inch. yeah you can't do that but uh really move the ball a little bit further back in your stance and then that way you are okay. going to one you're going to hit a little bit lower uh, so you have to watch out for that just a little bit uh but uh the most important thing when you're doing that is that you're going to catch ball first uh, but you don't want to move it so far back where you're digging the ball down into the, into the ground. So you don't want to play it like, you know, off your back pinky toe and play it to just inside your back foot, just so that you catch it before the bottom of your swing. <clears throat> and then uh, third off, uh, pay attention to where your ball goes. How many times are you going to be, are you going to lose a ball in the ground because it plugs? Just pay attention to where your ball goes and then uh, make sure you're, you're looking down as you're going to the ball because once you get past the ball, when the ball's plugged and you turn around and come back, you're not going to see it because it's going to be underneath the ground. You have to look at it on the way up to it so you get the angle. I played – my last round of golf was October and uh, a lot of trees on the course here in Utah. And I've lost probably seven Yes. Yeah. Because of all the, all the leaves on the ground, I'm like, ah, I'm good. I don't need to do this right yeah, now. <laughs> I, uh, I played nine holes on Saturday, nine holes on Sunday, and I was nine under for those holes. For 18 holes. I so for, for 18 yeah. holes. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? I'm doing the little uh, SpongeBob mean right now. <laughs> being So going off being nine under, and that's a really good score, Someone shot six under the final round uh, yesterday, and his name is Corey Connors, a Kent State alum, or at least he went there. I don't know if he graduated. Probably he did. We'll say that. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. product. He sh- he shot six under par, uh, six under par, sixty six, at the Valero, Valero Texas, Texas Open. <laughs> uh, he won by two strokes over Charlie Hoffman. Uh, this win earned Connors a final entry into the 2019 Masters Tournament. The win was in no small feat. Obviously, I'm not saying this myself. I'm reading this off his Wikipedia page. Uh, the win was no small feat as Connors, who had to play in the Monday qualifier and emerge from a six-man playoff, just got into the field. Connors became the first Monday qualifier to win a tournament in the P- on the PGA Tour since Arjun Otwal. Uh, won the 2010 Wyndham Championship. First place flies was $1.35 million. He has last played in a Masters in 2015, which he missed the cut, and also played in the 2017 U.S. Open, which he was also cut. Uh, he is from Lustal, Ontario, Canada. He's a Canuck. 27 years old. Um, the Monday qualifier, Andy, is unique to golf. You don't do in any other sport that I'm aware of. You don't do it in tennis. Um, uh, tennis, they kind of have it. They have qualities to get into, but uh, other than any other sport, you you don't. So, but no, uh, you don't qualify to play in Major League Baseball or anything no. like that. But uh, Monday qualifying is extremely difficult. Uh, so really, you have to shoot a a good number to get in. So the 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 he had to go. He had to play a six for one playoff uh, on Monday. Uh, those six guys shot sixty eight that day. Uh, the other, the other uh, three guys who got in through Monday qualifying shot sixty five. So that really shows you how difficult Monday qualifying is. Um, so he is also the fifth person ever to win a PGA Tour uh, event. After Monday, Monday qualifying, the others were uh, Jeff Mitchell uh, in the Waste Management Phoenix Open in 1980, Kenny Knox in the Honda Classic in 1986, Fred Wadsworth in the Southern Open in 1986, and then Arjun Atwald was the last one to do, and that was the Wyndham Championship in 2010. So it's, it, this is more rare than a perfect game. <laughs> No, and it's uh, he had a, actually had a, had a hell of a weekend. Didn't shoot anything uh, in the seventies. He went sixty nine, sixty seven, and had two rounds of sixty six to finish out the weekend. So it was a uh, minus twenty uh, for the tournament. A two stroke uh, win over Charlie Hoffman. It's it's really cool to see this. <laughs> uh, I've got to edit that out too. Bye. I'll be I'll be upstairs in a little bit. You back? Okay. Hey, we're back. All right, yeah. So this is really cool to see um, because it's not your 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 everybody's guy. He he has one professional win, and that is yesterday. It's it's cool to. <laughs> It's cool to see. It's something I like to see more of um, just because um, okay, we were just talking about growing the sport. And this guy, I mean, he's been around for a while. He's 27 years old. He's not, uh, he's not a baby, but he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. And he might not ever play in another major. Who knows? He, uh, might, he might play in the rest of the majors. Who knows? But it's, it's definitely something pretty cool to see um, out there on the, uh, the PGA Tour. All right, Andrew. 
It's about that time. Before we go into our Masters picks, let's run down some standings. Because Lord knows I love standing. FedEx Cup. FedEx Cup standings are as follows. Top five. Matt Kuchar with two wins. Rory McIlroy with one. Xander Shoffley with two. Paul Casey with uh, one win. And number five is Gary Woodland, who hasn't won a tournament, but he has six top tens. Other players of note are uh, Ricky Fowler's at eight. Justin Thompson's at nine. Dustin Johnson's at ten. Brooks Kepka at 11. Justin Thomas at 12. And our boy Corey Connors is at 13. Bryson DeChambeau at 17. So we have those. We also have the World Golf Rankings, uh, which is a combination of all the the tours around the world. Uh, Number one, the new number one this week, Justin Rose, previously at number two. Uh, He jumps Dustin Johnson, goes on the number two, three, four, and five, or Rory McIlroy. Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, 6 through 10, Bryson DeChambeau, Francesco Malinari, John Rahm, uh, Ricky Fowler, and Xander Shoffley. So that takes us to our picks. Now, Andy, you know more about this than I do. <laughs> I tend to just pick this uh, by names of people I know. Uh, Augusta National. It's a course like like unlike any other, and for whatever reason, tends to play very hard. Uh, what does a what kind of player could we expect to see do something this well, week? Well, really, like any other tournament uh, in the PGA Tour nowadays, it uh, it's really a crapshoot for the most part. Um, the this course tends to uh, favor guys you can draw the golf ball just because there's a lot of tee shots on here where on this course where you need to draw the ball um but uh really it's it's mainly who's who's hot potting for the most part there's a famous part of this course that is called amen corner it's the second shot of the 11th all the 12th and the first two shots of the 13th hole um do you know why it's called that, Andy? Uh, because that really is where it makes or breaks this uh, this tournament. Yeah, okay. it's, 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 it's basically what it boils down to. Is it was uh, it was coined by Warren Wind in the nineteen fifty eight edition of Sports Illustrated, and he decided that um, he told Golf Digest in nineteen eighty four that. Uh, he said he wanted a catchy phrase like baseball's hot corner or football's coffin corner to explain where some of the most exciting golf has taken place. Thus, Eamon Corner was born. He said it came from the title of a jazz record that he had heard in the middle in the mid 1930s. So, but it's it's a fun course, and when you hear when you hear Jim Nance say this week a tradition unlike any other, it'll It'll hit you, and it's something for me. I don't watch a lot of golf. Uh, I just got NBC back, uh, thanks to Directv, uh, <laughs> so I get to watch more golf. Because earlier in the season, there was a lot of golf on NBC. I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but um, I tend to watch more golf starting at the Masters. Yeah, and this for me is 
the Masters is one of those things. It is the unofficial beginning of spring. I know it starts on March 2nd, but rarely will you see bad weather. Did you just say March 2nd? Throughout the United States. 20th. <laughs> 21st. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you said March 2nd, though, and it just like dawned on me like a few seconds later. I was like, did you say 2nd? <laughs> okay, keep going. Well, good thing we can... Good thing we can listen to this later. <laughs> but no, the, that's the thing is, it's 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 not the official beginning of of, of spring. But once the Masters comes through, uh, there shouldn't be much worry about another snowstorm anywhere in the United States. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be beautiful out. Hopefully, it's gonna be golf weather. This is when you can start seeing more and more people play golf. Uh, you'll see. You'll and it always seems like there's something about the weekend of the Masters that highlights the beginning of sports center and they talk about it for weeks and they talk about it before the next major. And a couple years ago, it was Jordan Spieth collapse where he just, I think he put three balls into the, into the water. Was it 16 or 12? And it was just a nightmare and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's part of, of what, of what the masters is. And of course, as we do, in, in sports radio, I guess is what we're calling this. This isn't radio. Sports podcast. We have to pick a winner, Andy. Yeah. Well, You're going first. Uh, fantastic. So uh, as you were uh, going off on your uh, foray into oblivion uh, about uh, what the Masters means, I was uh, ravaging through my wallet to find two pieces of paper. These two pieces of paper are uh, bet tickets from the Mirage. Uh, back on November 13th, I made two bets for the winner of the Masters. Uh, I got both. Funny, what? The funny thing is I just pulled up the latest odds. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. So I got these guys at 50 to 1, both of these guys. First one uh, was American Patrick Cantley. Uh, I picked him, and remi- uh, remind you again, this was from November. Uh, so I got I picked him because he's a solid guy. He uh, uh, doesn't really, you know, hit the ball Kai's ways, which you know is crooked and sideways. Uh, <laughs> so and he he putts pretty decently and. More importantly, he's got a good demeanor. Uh, and then my second guy is Australian Mark Leishman. He always seems to come up big during uh, these types of tournaments. Uh, he he plays to the big uh, the big crowds and everything. Uh, and uh, just like uh, what I said about Patrick Cantley, he uh, puts pretty decent. He uh, hits the ball fairly straight, and uh, he's got uh, he's got a good temperament for these types of events uh but again that was back in november right now if i had a pick i might go ricky fowler going off of what's currently this is on according to vegasinsider.com these are the 2019 odds to win um anyone familiar with sports betting you could pretty much play anything anything you want uh odds to make the cut obviously the, the odds adjust from there but uh your boy patrick cantley is currently 70 to one oh, i should have waited Mark Leishman's fifty to one. Oh well, that stayed the same. Ricky Fowler is eighteen to one. Patrick Reed, the defending champion, Has is sixty no to shot. one. 
He is not going to. He's no. not going to even sniff the cut this week. Who do you think is the has the best odds? To oh, win? they're going to say like DJ or uh, or Justin Rose. Rory, uh, Rory McIlroy eight to one. Dustin ten to one. Uh, Justin Rose fourteen to one. Tiger fourteen to one. Uh, Jordan Spieth seventeen to one. Brooks Kepka eighteen to one, along with Francesco Molinari and Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler. John Rahm at twenty. Bryson DeChambeau and John uh, Tommy Fleetwood at twenty five. You know Some long Tommy shots. Fleetwood might have a chance this week. Out of all those guys you just said. I would go Tommy Fleetwood. I would stay away from John Rom. John Rom's a head case. He's he'll blow up. <laughs> One person. There's some long shots on here as well. Uh, the longest of shots is a 2,000 to one. There's two of them. There's Ian Woosnam and Jose Maria Olazabal. Olazabal. Oh, that's Olazabal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're Spanish. They say letters weird. But there are some there are some that I, I I like if I was if I was in Vegas and I had some money to throw around, um, I don't know if I would bet him to win, but I would take maybe some other action on someone like Fred Couples because he's either going to be around not win be around or he's going to shoot plus twenty six. Yeah, I would I would I would have taken Freddie you know three or four years ago. Not now. They've ranked. They've lengthened the course out. He's fifty nine years old. Uh, yeah, you know he might catch magic. He might turn into a Tom Watson at uh, what was that Turnberry a few years ago for the? Uh, oh heck, that was ten years ago for the British. Yeah, that Open. was ten years ago. Uh, a few years ago, but uh, yeah, he he might do that. But I I wouldn't be too high on him uh, winning. He you know he he might. He might, you know, he might sneak out a top ten, but he won't be in contention. I I know that Bernhard Longer snuck out a top ten. What was it, two years ago, something like that? Yeah, it was recent. Yeah. Uh, he's five hundred to one. Um, who is my least favorite golfer on the PGA Tour right now? Oh, heck! Don't overthink that's, this. That's that's a crapshoot. You hate everyone. You know who I hate the most. <laughs> I don't. Who do you hate the most? Kevin Na. Why do you hate Kevin Na? It just goes back to 2012 when he was playing all that slow yeah, golf. Yeah, but he's he's changed. He's a different man now. He he picks the ball up before he even hits the bottom of the cup. Now he's fast. So in <laughs> honor in honor of Kevin and I turning over a leaf, if I'm going to make a a legitimate long shot, he's 350 to one. And if I'm in Vegas, I'm putting I'm putting 20 bucks on Kevin Na to win the Masters. Kevin Na. All right. Sure. All right. So we're talking about uh, you talked about distance. They've lengthened the course out since 1940. Um, it was built in the 1930s, uh, but 1940s it was measuring at 6,800 yards. Um, it didn't get over 7,000 yards until 1980. Then it went back down to 6,900 yards um, in the 90s and the 2000s, and then 2010 it measured out at 7,435 yards. That's all. It and is. Uh, that was so. This is at the beginning of every decade. Okay. This is on their Wikipedia page right. for Augusta National. Um, actually, it's on here. Uh, length as of it doesn't say as of when, but it's seventy-seven sixty-eight. So seven thousand oh seven hundred sixty-eight yards. That's long. That's long. That's really long. The longest hole is number thirteen. It's five hundred and ten yards. That, the, that's not right. That's what it says on the on the Wikipedia page. Well, 
don't you remember your college professors always yelling at you for not using Wikipedia because it is not uh, a value, uh, a uh, trusted source. I don't use Wikipedia, <laughs> but I will go on the references uh, okay. portion of the page yeah. and uh, and sniff around there. Yeah. Uh, so one thing about uh, Augusta National that uh, we're talking about distances and such, it was uh, built on a plant nursery, and it's and it's um, a short distance from the Hooters. Which is across from the, a restaurant, the yeah, Hooters. It's, it's across the street. So when you think, and it's funny because <laughs> everyone listening, watch the Masters at least for a little bit this week. If you're not a huge golf fan and you're listening to this because we're friends and he's trying to get our ratings up, appreciate that. But if watch a little bit of the Masters and it looks like heaven on earth, it is gorgeous. You walk outside the fences <laughs> in Augusta, Georgia, <laughs> you will get shot. I don't think it's getting shot that. I don't think it's that bad, but yeah, it's not a nice place. Yeah, to be. You know. The first Masters was in 1934. The um, the course opened in 1933. I can tell you, there's not many tax cuts happening in uh, in Augusta, Georgia no. right now. No, there isn't. <laughs> so the course I told you was formerly a plant nursery. Uh, in turn, they've named the each hole. Was a then each hole of the course is named after a tree or shrub, which with which has become associated. Several of these holes in the first the first nine have been renamed, as well as number eleven. Um, some examples, not going to go over them all. Uh, T Olive is number one. Carolina Cherry is number nine. Magnolia is number five. Uh, Camellia is ten. Over there at Amen Corner, you have the White Dogwood, Golden Bell, and Azalea. And you rather down the 18 on Holly. So you'll hear them talk about that this weekend. And it's, uh, it's definitely going to be, um, like I said, it's, it's, for me, it's very nostalgic. That's why I enjoy it. It's, I enjoy the nostalgia. I enjoy the kind of old fashioned things in life. And uh, that includes the masters. So what do you say, Andy? How about we wrap this up? I should probably go to the gym. Um, I have a physical fitness test coming up. In a couple of weeks, and I need to be less fat. Is it the presidential physical fitness test? No, it is the United States Air Force physical fitness oh, test. Okay, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll do another one of these episodes uh, where we don't wait two months to do another one. But uh, we'll we'll get this up. We'll get it posted. Share it with your friends. Send it to your bosses. Uh, tell your mom and dad to listen. Uh, do what you got to do to get us out there because we really do appreciate it. Uh, these are just it's just two long time old friends talking golf. So it's a good time. Y- you know what I am glad not to see this week at the Masters though, the Patrick Reed Nike Fat Boy polos, like the big baggy ones. No, you remember last year when he had the like the just the stripes on like his like <laughs> on like the on his sides to make him look thinner. <laughs> you remember that polo? Yeah, he's a large man. Uh, he's not that large, but yeah. But oh, uh, yeah, he was definitely pet. wearing the fat boy polo. Oh, Patty Chub Chubs. Yep. All right, well, uh, I'm done. All right, let's wrap this up. For Andy Deer, I'm Bob Marshall. Andy, enjoy your first day of work tomorrow. Oh, I'm I'm curious to see uh, how how I enjoy working again. <laughs> it's It's definitely been a minute. All right, so for Andy, I'm Bob. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you soon.